I'm Dr. Ling Huang, and in this session, I will be discussing about the pathophysiology of autoimmune diseases. I will first discuss about the immunological mechanisms underlying autoimmune diseases, as well as then identifying examples of rheumatological conditions with an autoimmune basis. First of all, what is autoimmunity? It is when a healthy immune system is able to discriminate between self, which are molecules that belong to the body, and non-self, which are molecules that are foreign. And self-tolerance prevents the immune system from attacking normal cells and tissues of the body. And this breakdown of the self-tolerance mechanisms results in autoimmunity. And autoimmunity is an immune response against self-antigens. Autoimmune diseases is the immune response to self that causes tissue damage or abnormal physiology. And there are 80 different types of autoimmune disorders. These autoimmune disorders fit into type 2 hypersensitivity, which are antibody dependent, as well as type 3 hypersensitivity, which are immune complex dependent. They are not mediated by type 1 hypersensitivity, which are IgE antibody related. And they are classified into organ-specific as well as non-organ-specific diseases. Organ-specific diseases are autoimmune diseases that affect a single organ and the autoimmune response is directed against antigens in the specific organ. Whereas non-organ-specific autoimmune diseases can affect multiple organs and are usually associated with responses against self-antigens that are widely distributed throughout the body. They can affect the muscle and joints, kidneys, as well as the skin. Self-tolerance are regulatory mechanisms to prevent autoimmunity. They include central tolerance as well as peripheral tolerance. This involves the central deletion of newly formed T cells in the thymus and B cells in the bone marrow that are reactive to self-antigens. In the positive selection stage, the T cells cannot bind to MHC class 1 or class 2 molecules. These then undergo apoptosis. This will then continue on to the negative selection stage, where the T cells are tested for affinity to self-molecules. If they bind self-antigens, it undergoes apoptosis. However, if they bind non-self antigens, they are able to then migrate to secondary lymphoid organs. After undergoing central tolerance, the T cells and B cells then continue on to the peripheral tolerance once they exit from the primary lymphoid organs. In peripheral tolerance, it undergoes additional mechanisms that remove low-affinity, self-reactive T-cells that have escaped to the immune periphery. It can undergo clonal deletion, energy, as well as regulation or suppression. In clonal deletion, additional T-cells and B-cells that have matured undergo deletion. Whereas in energy, 
there is an inactivation of response by T cells that do not have co-stimulatory molecules. And in regulation and suppression mechanisms, there is an active suppression of self-reactive T cells by T regs, which are regulatory T cells. How this occurs is that the regulation of lymphocytes can recognize self-antigens in peripheral tissues. There are three main factors that causes autoimmune diseases. There are the genetic predisposition, gender, as well as the environment. In genetic predispositions, there are many genes that could affect the predisposition to autoimmune diseases. And many of these genes associate with specific HLA genes, which encode the MHC complexes, which are the major histocompatibility complexes. And in terms of gender, hormonal influences, especially the sex hormones, can influence autoimmune diseases. It is more commonly found in women, especially in diseases such as lupus and multiple sclerosis. And environmental factors such as infections, especially viral infections, as well as stress conditions and UV damage can also influence and cause autoimmune diseases. There are different mechanisms that are caused by infectious agents that can break the self-tolerance. Three main mechanisms are the disruption of cell or tissue barrier, and molecular mimicry, as well as superantigens. What happens is that in autoimmunity, it is caused by autoantibodies or lymphocytes that attack molecules, the cells and the tissues of the body that produces them. In the first mechanism, tissue damage can cause release of sequestered self-antigens that can activate a non-tolerized cell. And tissue damage can occur from viral infections as well as UV damage. And these sequestered self-antigens can then become released to promote autoimmunity. In the second mechanism, molecular mimicry from infectious agents can induce a T and B cell response, which can then cross-react with self-antigens and cause autoimmunity. And in the third mechanism, superantigens such as from bacterial invasion could cause polyclonal activation of autoreactive T cells, and this can overcome clonal energy causing autoimmunity. All these mechanisms can cause abnormal B or T cell activation, and previously activated T cells from either infections or tissue damage, these T cells become much easier to activate to produce cytokines that can circulate to inflame tissues. And once this barrier of tolerance, self-tolerance is broken, autoimmune responses are then easy to sustain. Autoimmunity can cause rheumatic conditions. And these are conditions that cause inflammations, changes in joints, and pain in the surrounding structures of the joints. And this affects up to 50 million people in the United States. This mainly targets the musculoskeletal system 
and can cause pain in our bones, joints, muscles, and tendons. It can also involve internal organs, as well as coexist with other rheumatic conditions. Up to more than 100 rheumatic conditions exist, but in this session, we will discuss about SLE, rheumatoid arthritis, Sjogren's syndrome, as well as vasculitis, and we will discuss about the pathophysiology of these different rheumatic conditions. In SLE, it is the most common type of autoimmune disease, causing 1 in 2,000 people. It is a multi-system disorder with chronic widespread inflammation. Up to 70 to 90% of the patients are women. It gives a characteristic butterfly rash that is made worse by exposure to sunlight and is characterized by autoantibodies to nuclear antigens. There are different types of lupus. First, there is the most common type of lupus that is SLE, and it affects many parts of the body. And there is the cutaneous or skin lupus that causes a rash or lesion on the skin and is typically triggered by exposure to sunlight. And discoid on the skin is the most common type of cutaneous lupus. There is also lupus that is drug-induced and is caused by reaction to certain types of medications. However, these symptoms usually stop when the medication is stopped. Neonatal lupus is a rare condition where the mother's SLE antibodies are transmitted to the fetus, and it's usually resolved with no long-term effects. The clinical features of lupus is that it can affect almost any organ in the body, and the symptoms differ from person to first person. It can cause fever, weight loss, general malaise, and severe fatigue. It causes a distinctive malar or butterfly rash stimulated by UV, which is found in 30 to 40% of SLE patients. It can cause photosensitivity as well as mouth and nose ulcers, arthritis in muscle and joint pain, as well as kidney problems. It can also cause blood disorders where there is low white blood cells and low platelets, as well as neurological symptoms such as delirium, psychosis and seizures. There are 11 criteria for lupus diagnosis. However, at least four criteria is needed for lupus diagnosis. One diagnostic marker needs to be clinical and one needs to be immunological. The standard laboratory test for SLE is anti-nuclear antibody test, or ANA. Because the immune system produces autoantibodies to attack body cells, this causes inflammation and tissue injury. Anti-nuclear antibodies are autoantibodies that the body produces to attack cell nucleus. Antinuclear antibodies do not attach to living cells because the cell nuclei is being protected by the cell membrane. However, when cell nuclei is released from injured or dying cells, antinuclear antibodies can then attack the cell nuclei and cause tissue damage. 98% of SLE patients show a positive antinuclear antibody test, hence this is the most sensitive and the primary test for SLE patients. 5 to 10% of healthy people, as well as patients with rheumatic diseases, show a positive ANA test. Hence, it is not just specific for SLE, but also 
or other rheumatic diseases. What happens in ANA tests is that an indirect fluorescent antibody is being used. Blood plasma is mixed with fixed cells on microscope slides and fluorescent antibodies are attached to these cells. If the cells show fluorescence, it is a positive test. In the ANA test, the results can show the titus, which is the number of times the blood plasma is being diluted. And above a certain titer, it is a positive test. It can also tell you about the patterns of the fluorescent labeling where homogeneous diffuse pattern shows that this is a positive test. There are also other lab tests for different immunological markers, such as antiphospholipid antibodies that target phospholipids in cell membranes, and lupus anticoagulant that can interfere with blood clotting. There are also tests for complement proteins, where SLE patients show low C3 and C4 complement proteins that are associated with lupus. Once the ANA test is shown positive, further ANA panel could also be ordered. And these are anti-nuclear antibodies, such as the anti-double-stranded DNA antibody, which are found in almost up to 70% of SLE patients and are specific for SLE diagnosis. Anti-Smith antibodies are found in up to 20% of SLE patients which are antibodies to a particular RNA in the cell nucleus and are rarely found in other rheumatic diseases. It is found that the genes that are associated to SLE are HLA genes, which are human leukocyte antigens. These are genes that encode for a certain beta chain on the MHC complex. This include the HLA class 2, which are HLA DR2 and HLA DR3. These show strong association with SLE and autoantibodies, as well as HLA class 3 that encode for complement C2 and C4 genes. They show a deficiency in clearing immune complexes. The C1Q genes for the complement system show a deficiency in complement system opsonization, and this can appear in severe and early onset of SLE. The pathogenesis of SLE can be triggered by genetic and environmental factors that can cause by UV sunlight as well as viral infections. This can cause an increase in cells apoptosis to release the cell nuclide and inflammatory cytokines. And a deficiency in the clearance of these dying cells by phagocytes can cause a T cell and B cells overactivation and produce autoantibodies. This can eventually lose self-tolerance. This produces immune complexes and cause activation of the complement system. These immune complexes can then be deposited in blood vessels, basement membranes, in the renal glomeruli, and other organs. And this can lead to SLE flare-ups and tissue damage. In patients with SLE, renal manifestations are the most dangerous. 50% to 70% of all lupus patients eventually experience renal inflammation. This can cause glomerulonephritis. The glomeruli are the tiny filters in your kidneys that remove excess fluid, electrolytes and waste from your bloodstream that passes them into your urine. So 
glomerulonephritis is the inflammation of these tiny filters. This is the most dangerous in SLE, where it can lead to renal failure and is the leading cause of death among lupus patients. The next most common type of autoimmune disorders is rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis, or RA, is a chronic joint inflammatory disorder, and it affects mostly the hands, the feet, and as well can affect other tissues and organs. The pathophysiology of this disease is when immune complexes are produced by synovial lining cells in the inflamed blood vessels in the joints. The plasma cells then produce antibodies such as rheumatoid factors, anti-CCP antibodies that can form immune complexes. Macrophages and T cells are then activated to produce cytokines such as TNF, as well as chemokines and inf interferons. This causes then joint inflammations, as well as cartilage and bone destruction. Rheumatoid arthritis has clinical symptoms such as joint pain and stiffness, fatigue, low-grade fever, loss of appetite, and muscle pain, as well as joint deformities. Rheumatoid factors can show in 70% of patients, but it's also found in other diseases. That is why rheumatoid factors are not the determining factors for RA. Anti-CCP antibodies is highly specific in rheumatoid arthritis patients. Patients are also tested for C-reactive proteins, which may be at raised levels as compared to patients with SLE. In the Sjogren's syndrome, which is a chronic inflammatory autoimmune disorder, it occurs mostly in middle-aged women, but also in 30% of patients with other autoimmune disorders, such as rheumatoid arthritis and SLE. It is found in genetic associations in whites, Caucasians, that have the genes of HLA-DR3. The diagnosis of the Sjogren's syndrome shows the dryness of mouth, and eyes, as well as other mucous membranes. And the presence of rheumatoid factor, which is found in more than 70% of the patients, and the anti-Rho or SSA antibodies. Sjogren's syndrome happens when the salivary and lacrimal, as well as other exocrine glands, become infiltrated with T cells and B cells, producing inflammatory cytokines. This then damages the secretory ducts, as well as causing gland atrophy. Vasculitis is the inflammation of blood vessels, and is often associated with ischemia, necrosis, as well as organ inflammations. It can affect any blood vessels, such as arteries, arterioles, veins, venules, as well as capillaries. The diagnosis of vasculitis include the clinical symptoms of systemic inflammation, such as fever, night sweats, fatigue, anorexia, weight loss, and arthritis. Basic laboratory tests can be ordered to detect inflammation or organ dysfunction, such as complete blood count, erythrocyte sedimentation rates, or C-reactive proteins, as well as serum albumin and total proteins. 
AST and ALT tests. Laboratory tests to help determine the type of vasculitis is antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies, or ANCA. Biopsy of organ involvement should also be ordered. The lab tests involved in diagnosis of vasculitis include tests that suggest immune complex formation as well as deposition in the vessels. These are rheumatoid factors and cryoglobulins, as well as antinuclear antibodies. This can also show low C3 or C4 complement levels. Tests suggesting necrotizing vasculitis without immune complex deposition are the ANCA tests. The antineutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies are autoantibodies produced by immune system that attack specific proteins found in neutrophils. ANCA is detected by indirect immunofluorescence, where it tests the two most common antibodies against neutrophils. That's the CANCA, or the cytoplasmic ANCA, where it shows fluorescence staining in the cytoplasmic region of the neutrophils. This tests for the protein proteinase 3, or PR3. The second type of ANCA is the perinuclear, or the myeloperoxidase, MPO, and this stains for the perinuclear region of the neutrophil. If it shows a positive immunofluorescence test, a LISA test can also then be carried out to detect the specific ANCA antibodies, PR3 or MPO. So in this episode, we have discussed about the immunological mechanisms underlying autoimmune diseases. We have also identified different examples of rheumatological conditions with an autoimmune basis, such as SLE, rheumatoid arthritis, Children's syndrome, as well as vasculitis.